Welcome to Pregnancy Help Podcast. This is another episode brought to you at the Heartbeat International Annual Conference uh, in Jacksonville, Florida. We know we have the virtual conference happening as well. Uh, I've heard some really good feedback so far, and we are going to be getting a, a keynote from today's guest from our for our podcast episode. So um, I'm going to actually let Betty introduce him, and, and he can say a little bit about himself and his story. Um, so I want to introduce uh, our vice president, Betty McDowell. She's been busy planning and now uh, just being there, being with our attendees at the conference. So, uh, Betty, I will turn things over to you. Uh, Thanks so much, Christine. So I'm so happy to have Peter Greer with us here today. He is the president and CEO of Hope International. Uh, Peter delights in spending time with the entrepreneurs Hope Serves, whether harvesting coffee with farmers in Rwanda, dancing alongside savings groups in Haiti, or visiting the greenhouse of entrepreneurs in Ukraine. Prior to Hope, he worked in Rwanda, Cambodia, and Zimbabwe, and received a master's in public policy from Harvard Kennedy School. In his spare time, he has co-authored not one, not two, not three, but 14 books, including Mission Drift and Rooting for Rivals. So last year at Harvey, I'll just tell you this. We had our leadership team read Rooting for Rivals. Um, it was a topic of discussion that came up um, in on national leadership in the pro-life movement, which was pretty cool. We wanted our leadership team at Heartbeat to uh, take a look at that, to understand it. It's it's not so much that we have some competitiveness within Heartbeat, but I know you know the lay of the land of Heartbeat, so we'll get to that. But it also came up in one of our in-depth days here at conference. One of the speakers, this was a room that had 80 executive directors, CEOs of organizations across the United States and Italy was represented in the room. And so one of the uh, attendees brought up as we are facing the world in front of us with a perhaps a post-real world, what does it mean for pregnancy help um, and directors and how we should be functioning? And that came up and everyone's like, oh yeah, great book, great book. So I was like, you guys do realize he's going to be here this week. Uh, so it was pretty exciting. So with that, Peter, um, I know that's a brief introduction, but would you tell us a little bit about you and your story, you could fill in the gaps for all the things I missed and do it like within, I don't know, four minutes, five minutes, your entire life. (laughs) No, thanks, Betty. And it's so good to be here. And yeah, I mean, in many ways that that bio did uh, cover uh, some of the professional pieces along the way, but I think what might uh, be missing in that is a little bit more on the why. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had the enormous privilege of growing up as a as a pastor's kid, and I know not everyone would say that's a privilege, but I really do consider it an enormous privilege. I had parents that uh, spoke it and lived it, and there was not a difference that I experienced on a Sunday morning uh, to a Monday morning from my mom and dad, and that was an enormous gift. And one of the gifts also that they gave us was the ability to travel with them. So we would go on mission trips, and they truly were transformative. Some in the U.S., some around the world. World, but but in many ways, um, as I as I grew, uh, the mission trips always were profoundly impactful for me. 
But sometimes at the end of a week, you wonder, but what really are we leaving behind? What mm. what really is the lasting impact on the community or on the church where we were serving? And that question um, took a little bit of a sharper focus when I was in uh, in college studying in, in Moscow and met someone who was doing missions and microenterprise development in the former Soviet Union. And to me, I just love the idea of doing job creation, economic development, and missions together as a way that you're not just handing out uh, things, meeting a temporary need, but you're really partnering and equipping individuals to stand on their own two feet. And and that has been then the journey of my life. So I started in Cambodia, as you mentioned, doing internal controls and fraud prevention, ran a microfinance institution in Rwanda, married my wife there and wow. spent time in Zimbabwe. And then, um, yeah, really have tried to figure out what is the way to use these tools of economic development um, to equip the church to alleviate extreme poverty around the world. And so been with Hope International for 17 years, and we serve in 17 countries, and I get to work alongside an amazing global team. That is so cool. But okay, I know that I kind of tripped over the stuff as I read it. What was the dancing thing that I saw in there? What was that about? So that was really just saying that when I think <laughs> about the highlight of my job, okay. it's spending time with the families that we serve. Oh. And so some of the specific things, if you travel with me, uh, you you will do all of those things. You know, it is it is harvesting coffee alongside individuals that that's their enterprise. They are, they're coffee farmers and, and spending time. And I promise you, you will never drink a cup of coffee the same way when you actually realize the work that goes into one bean yes. um, on that. And, and the other thing, yeah, the dancing piece is around the world. Uh, dance is part of every gathering. Um, and so you can't spend time yeah, traveling and meeting time with our global uh, friends without uh, a song being sung and you can't get out of it. You you will uh, dance alongside them, which is always great fun. Well, you're in good company with Heartbeat International because um, many of us on staff have had the opportunities to travel outside of the U.S. and to be in some of the very places um, that you've mentioned. Uh, we do that with pregnancy help. So, and we certainly drink the coffee there. So, and we come home with lots of coffee. <laughs> so, I get that part of it. Um so you have been writing books and you're it's correct 14 books at this That's point. correct. And we of course at Harpy I mentioned uh tapped into rooting for rivals. And so whenever I have a chance to talk to an author I I know I know just from the little bit of writing that I do which is nowhere near even one book but um there's always a story behind it. There's something there's an impetus there's something that's brewing for the coffee term. There's something that's been happening. So what what was the story behind the story for the book Rooting for Rivals? Yeah, so I, again, maybe it's my roots uh, growing up in Massachusetts. Um, maybe it's the love of sports that I have always had and continue to have. Uh, but but I, I love cheering for my team. And now it's with my kids, right? There are different ages and I love cheering for their team. And I know who the rivalries are and the other teams that uh, the other school districts. And, and I love that. But the craziest thing happened when I started working in international economic development and missions. The question that I received more than any other was, hey, Peter, tell me how you're different from, and then fill in the blank. Tell me how you're different. And in some ways, the the invitation was make the argument for your good work by talking negatively about someone else. Um, how are you better, bigger, wiser, smarter, faster? All those words that end in ER that actually erode uh, relationship. And I totally fell into that. 
where it was me versus you. Um, and then you start reading scripture and you come to John 17 and you realize that the night before Jesus went to the cross, he was praying something really specific, very specific for those who believe in his name, which means he's praying for us. Mm -hmm. um, and the prayer is that they would be one. And then he gives this crazy image of the unity, just as the father and the son are one, so that they would be brought to complete unity. And I was really convicted on that because that is not how I was seeing or treating mm -hmm. other organizations. And so it started a journey. Um, I've never written about anything that I've mastered. Um, I've always written about things that interest me. And I wanted to learn from those individuals that had figured out a way to be truly open-handed, to be collaborative, to be generous with other organizations and to get out of the trap of comparison, to get out of envy to get out of uh, thinking that just really centered on self and to discover the move from me to we, how does that happen? And who are the organizations and leaders that have figured that out? And I want to learn from them. So that is what led us to the process of, of writing a book. And our process was let's find the most open-handed collaborative leaders and let's figure out what do they think? What is their theology? Um, and what is their practice? What do they do? Mm -hmm. um, and how can we grow to be more collaborative? And I promise you this journey, uh, it has profoundly changed me. Um, I, I want to grow into a leader like that. And it is so much more fun when we take steps in that no longer identifying other organizations as competition or rivals, but seeing them as friends, uh, seeing that there are steps towards that picture of unity that we can take. It's really like the mission is the same mission. The methodology might be slightly different. I mean, that certainly is what we see um, of, of how people, whether there are lots of different debates on, on techniques and things that you would use um, even even from the medical pieces in pregnancy centers, but the mission is the same, and and that is kind of our heart cry: is you you are better together. We know we're better together, and so I'm thinking of uh, the book, and my head's just kind of going through what what are some of the standouts that it's been a while it's been a while since I read it, but I one thing that really stuck with me was um, I think it's at the very beginning of the book where you talk about being at an airport. You've just been at a conference, mm -hmm. you've been at an airport, and you see somebody that you would really like to talk to. And you talked about that experience. Can you just share a little bit about that? Because another ministry right. leader to ministry. Yeah. Leader. No, at that time, we were doing research on the book Mission Drift. Uh, and there was an organization that had come up again and again, and uh, it was Compassion International. And uh, this was West Stafford, who was a president, and he had just finished a very intense conference, something that you probably can relate to. <laughs> Imagine you're at the airport going home and then here comes this person who obviously wants to talk. Um, and he was so kind. He was so kind to me, pulling the seat out, um, having me sit down. He didn't have any idea who I was. And he just was gracious in answering questions. And then he gets back to Colorado Springs and he follows up with additional resources that he thought might be helpful. And I got the distinct impression that him helping me, it was almost like he believed that that was not in the periphery, that that was that was part of his calling. And I come to believe that's because that is what he believes. He he doesn't believe that the organizational boundaries between Compassion International and Hope International, those boundaries mm. do not mean that there should not be as much collaboration and friendship as possible. And just to fast forward a few years, um, so 
two weeks ago, uh, when the invasion of uh, Ukraine, um, and this is more than two weeks ago, but it was after that happened, uh, Compassion International uh, wanted to raise awareness of how people can respond. And they did a message to their mailing list saying, if you want to respond, um, you can support Hope International. Now, what nonprofit organization that's, points that's people amazing. to another nonprofit yeah. when it comes to resources? Yeah. But he had an abundance mentality, not a scarcity mentality. And not only that, then when people pointed to us, we, we said, we got to do something similar. So we're involved in the rebuilding efforts, but there's uh -huh. a lot of relief that's needed as well. And so uh, when you went to that website, we put three other organizations that we believe are doing great work as part of the puzzle. Um, to make sure other individuals know about him. And so just that spirit of abundance, not scarcity, an attitude of uh, we're in this together. We all have different approaches, but but we really are going after the same end. So let's let's do more together. It, that's the um, the African proverb. I, I've seen it actually, um, I think in Johannesburg, the airport is where I have seen it. Um, if you want to go far. Now, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And um, that that's actually a quote we have used at times here at Heartbeat as well, uh, because we found that to be found that to be the case. This episode of the Pregnancy Help Podcast is brought to you by Heartbeat International's Pregnancy Help Institute. Now, we realize you've been to conferences before, but the Pregnancy Help Institute is different. It's organized under three intensive tracks, new director, development, and leadership. The Pregnancy Help Institute integrates executive level instruction in a small group environment where you'll have the unparalleled opportunity to process information and strategies with experts and fellow frontline pregnancy help leaders. This year, it's taking place on July 25th through 20th. 29th in Columbus, Ohio, and you can find out more and register today at heartbeatservices.org. So your book was inspiring to us. It was helpful. It led to a lot of discussion um, about really about heart change. I think for us, just looking at how do we view others who perhaps are serve on the national plane, the national level, the way we do, but also understanding our network of pregnancy help. And, and we do tend to become territorial. Um, sometimes it's, it's almost for the right reasons. <laughs> I'll say that, right? Because you're, you're living at your calling and you're caring for that community. Um, but I love that, that open hand approach to it. One of the things that I noticed about you, Peter, I could I hear it even when I read your books. Um, I hear it in your voice. And when I was first learning about you, I went online and looked at a couple of YouTube things. And there's this very consistent, uh, gentle spirit. There's an intentionality that I hear in your voice, and just this. There's a soft. There's a softness and tenderness of you being present, of you, wherever you're connecting, you could see it and, and you can hear it. And I'm just thinking, is that, is that a credit to your parents? Because you talked about the consistency in their own lives. But with that, so it might be them, I want to ask the question, thinking back um, as you're stepping into ministry, you're growing in ministry, if you could think of a specific person or specific kind of event, something that happened that you you could actually say, now there are a lot of them, but you could actually say, this happened to me and it changed me or it changed the way I do ministry. If you could tell me something that comes to mind when I ask that question. 
there is a person that comes to mind immediately and thank you. I do <laughs> desire to be <laughs> to that uh, description to be accurate. Um, but uh, early in my time in, in Rwanda, there was a mentor. Uh, his name was Pierre Bizimana and he had uh, a lot more experience uh, than I had. He had uh, more gray hair than I had uh, back then. Mm-hmm. And early on, he said, Peter, we've got to, you can't, you can't serve people that you don't know. And so he took me on something that he called a listening tour. Mm-hmm. And uh, my life uh, has never been the same. Uh, we ended up going around Rwanda, sitting in homes and simply hearing stories. We did not think about the programmatic response. We did not think about the operational aspects. We did not think about governance or fundraising or theory of change. We just listened to story to try and understand what is their reality. And I believe that. Um, effective ministry is 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 dependent on intentionality and listening, and and he taught me that uh, he taught me that incredibly well. And I think in a similar way, uh, it's so easy to think about solutions and mm-hmm. and design and and innovation. And somehow to minimize the voices of the people that we are eager to serve, the people that we are doing everything possible to say, I want to listen. I want to, I want to love well enough to listen. And that includes listening to those that, as it relates to rooting for rivals, even those that might have a different take uh, mm-hmm. instead of the defensive posture. Tell me more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what in your life uh, led you to that? I'd, I'd love to learn more. And that posture of listening, Pierre taught me and I I long to model I long to learn um, in of how can I listen lean in more um, understand more uh, before getting to solution so loving starts with listening uh, listening is upstream from organizational design and outreach and I think there's something that uh, I, I just long so that when I think about my approach to uh, ministry um, listening uh, yeah I want that to be yeah, at the centerpiece. And I have a whole lot of room for growth uh, in doing that well. Yeah, we, we all do. But he taught you well. He taught you well. I, I can see that. And you really are speaking our language. Um, I, I mean, I know it's, we think of that in terms of our Christian, our Christian life, our Christian worldview, love is key. Love is, is, is the primary reason, right? That God so loved the world. Um, that's what we're to do. And I think in pregnancy help, particularly for a heartbeat, Probably other organizations have the similar, but we tapped into L-O-V-E and L is listen. And so when we minister to women, to children, we always remind centers and pregnancy centers, uh, if we're doing board training, we teach this to care for women. We teach this love approach to listen and to learn. Always be a student of that person. Always ask curious questions. Um, Then you can move to opening up options for a woman who is in the midst of making a decision, but you're always listening. You don't stop listening and just go into options. Um, You have the ability then to awaken perhaps a vision or reawaken a vision for her life and then really extend and empower her to take the next steps when she realizes that, but you're always always listening. And so that's really key to who we are. So it it just uh, warms my heart to see that and hear that, hey, you, you're doing the same thing. You're practicing the love approach um, as you serve people. So we are very soon going to go into 
a lunch and a keynote where Peter is going to be our keynote. And we will have more information on that available to you. But at that, I'm going to go ahead and turn it back over to you, Christine. Hey, thank you, Betty. And thank you, Peter. I know that um, when we found out we were going to do a podcast episode with you, I got to do some research on Hope International and I loved what I saw and it was so uh, cool to see what you guys are doing and then to hear about your book. And so I know people are going to enjoy your keynote coming up here in a bit. Um, If you are listening to this episode and you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe to catch up on our our other episodes. And we have some really good ones coming up in the works in the next couple of months. Uh, This episode is brought to you by the Heartbeat Conference. Uh, where you can hear the workshops, the keynotes, and and just this time to be together as the pregnancy help community. It's so valuable. I've been hearing great comments so far from our attendees. Um, I'd love to tell you where we're going to be next year for the 2023 conference, but I don't. You're not have allowed. That, You're that not hasn't allowed. been announced yet. I know Betty's like, wait a minute, you can't say that. So I will not say that on this recording because it hasn't been announced. However, it will have been announced by the time we publish this. So I can uh, maybe put a, a little tease in the show notes. So be sure you check out those. Uh, So with that, I wish everyone a great rest of your day. And thanks for listening to this episode of the Pregnancy Help Podcast.